0: Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they do a great job. They can help you, too. You can just go to the website and give them a call. johnsonsairconditioning.com is the website. Airconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute and constitutional scholar. We'll be talking about discrimination and anti-discrimination laws and also our right to discriminate. Andrew Jopp is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture, the author of several books. His latest release has been What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read. And I'm looking forward to the new book coming out, written by Buzz Aldrin, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It is December the 1st, can you believe it? And on this day in 1955, In Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks was jailed for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to white man, a violation of city's racial segregation laws. The successful Montgomery bus boycott, organized by a young Baptist minister named Martin Luther King Jr., followed Parks' historic act of civil disobedience. The mother of the civil rights movement, as uh, she is known, was born in Tuskegee, Alabama in 1913. She worked as a seamstress, and in 1943 joined the Montgomery chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. According to the Montgomery City Ordinance in 1955, African Americans were required to sit in the back of the bus, and were also obligated to give up those seats to white riders if the front of the bus was filled up. Parks was in the first row of the black section when the white driver demanded that she give up her seat to a white man. She refused, was and her was spontaneous, but was not merely bought on by her tired feet as popular legend. In fact, the local civil rights leaders had been planning a challenge to Montgomery's racist bus laws for several months, and Parks had been privy to the discussion. Learning of Parks' arrest, the NAACP and other African-American activists immediately called for a bus boycott to be held by black citizens on Monday, December the 5th. Word was spread by flyers and activists formed the Montgomery Improvement Association to organize the protest. The first day of the bus boycott was a great success, and that night the 26-year-old Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. told a large crowd gathered at the church, The great glory of American democracy is the right to protest for right. King emerged as the leader of the bus boycott and received numerous death threats from opponents of integration. At one point his home was bombed, but he and his family escaped bodily harm boycott stretched for more than a year, and participants carpooled or walked miles to work and school uh, when no other means were available. As African Americans previously constituted 70% of the Montgomery bus ridership, the municipal transit system suffered greatly during this boycott. On November 13, 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Alabama State and Montgomery City bus segregation laws as being a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. On December the 20th, King issued the following statement, the year-old protest against city buses is officially called off, and the Negro uh, citizens of Montgomery are urged to return to the bus tomorrow on a non-segregated basis. Boycott ended the next day. Rosa Parks was among the first to ride the newly desegregated buses. Martin Luther King Jr. and his nonviolent civil rights movement had won its first great victory. There would be, of course, many more to come. Rosa Parks died on October the 24th, 2005. Three days later, the U.S. uh, Senate passed a resolution to honor Parks by allowing her body to lie in honor in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. Courage is contagious. What a courageous woman she was. Seamstress and uh, wouldn't give up her seat and overturned the uh, draconian laws of Montgomery, Alabama by the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court's going to hear another case. We'll hear a challenge today for the Mississippi law banning abortion after 15 weeks in a case that could have momentous implications for the future of the qualified constitutional right to an abortion recognized in the high court in, of course, Roe v. Wade. And that's over a cent- half century ago. In Dobbs v. Jackson's Women Health Organization, the last operational abortion clinic in Mississippi was challenging the state's 2018 Gestational Age Act which bans abortion prior to the age of fetal viability set by the court in Roe and updated in Planned Parenthood v. Casey to around 24 weeks. Enacted in 2018, the Mississippi law hadn't gone into effect as the federal district court blocked its enforcement following the lawsuit filed by the abortion clinic. The conservative Fifth Circuit of Appeals later upheld the ruling, And while the abortion law doesn't make exceptions for rape or incest, it does make exceptions for health emergencies and fetal abnormalities. Abortion is an absolutely and racial economic justice issue. Sharon Brewer, director of the Jackson Women's Health Organization, wrote in the New York Times op-ed this summer. A large majority of our patients are black women like me. The legislature passed these laws in Mississippi and other southern states are mostly male and predominantly white. The laws are inherently racist and classist. They keep black and brown people down, and the research is clear the women who are denied abortion are more likely to live in poverty even years later. The Mississippi Attorney General, uh, Lynn Finch, uh, argues that the state should be able to make their own laws regarding abortion as medical advances have been made in the last 24 years. Fetal viability standard obsolete, with babies now being able to survive outside the womb much earlier. The Roe decision shackles states to a view of facts that are decades old, such as the while science, medicine, technology, and culture are all rapidly progressing since 1973 due to enacted laws on abortion and unable to keep up, Fitch said, according to Fox News. The Supreme Court can return decision-making abortion about abortion policy to the elected leaders and allow the people to empower women and promote life. If Roe is overturned, this abortion law will be left up to the individual states. In the event that the president is weakened or overturned, pre-Roe abortion bans in nine states would go into effect and automatic trigger bans would promptly follow in another 12 other states, according to the pro-choice Guttmacher Institute. Florida, Indiana, Mo- Montana, Nebraska, and Wyoming would also likely ban abortion, according to the Institute, bringing the total state's uh, outlawing abortion to 26. This is a just per- pretty amazing stuff. This is all happening today. Of course, the case isn't going to be announced, the results, until June, but irrespective. Uh, of course, the issue right now, in my mind, is a- certainly we should all be able to have control over our bodies, and this is what women want. Uh, we should. Be, this includes the jab, by the way, but also abortion. So the question is really, when is life viable? And uh, uh, because you, you, we should protect babies from being murdered, and that's exactly what abortion is. If, in fact, the, the uh, fetus is viable, so uh, more and more, I'm moving closer to uh, my personal belief that uh, life begins in its and, uh, inception. But irrespective, the courts are going to have a tough decision to make. And I, quite frankly, I think Roe v. Wade was out of place, and there was no, had, they had no business making this ruling. There's nothing in the Constitution about abortion. It should all be governed uh, by the states, just my view. Clarence Thomas will finally have a chance with the conservative majority court to reconsider Roe. Another landmark Supreme Court ruling Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which prohibits states from placing an undue burden on women seeking abortions prior to the fetal viability. Thomas dissented from Casey's decision shortly after he was confirmed to the court. Thomas expressed his vehement opposition to the court's abortion prejudice in his dissent in June. uh, Medical Services, LLC v. Russo, Our abortion precedents are grievously wrong and should be overruled, he wrote. The Constitution does not constrain the state's ability to regulate or even prohibit abortion, he added. Uh, Senator Gene Shaheen, the Democrat from New Hampshire, issued a warning to the Supreme Court days before oral arguments in a potential landmark uh, abortion case, claiming that a revolution will take place if the High Court overturns existing president. In other words, uh, threats. And, of course, the Supreme Court is not immune to these types of threats. We've seen them in the Rittenhouse case and other cases. But uh, right now, this is an extremely volatile and uh, politically charged issue. As, you know, Right now, I, I learned that there's now more uh, pregnancy clinics than there are abortion clinics in the United States. That's a good thing. And every state provides for the adoption and care of a child if it's not wanted. So we shouldn't murder children. We shouldn't kill them while they're in the womb. We should if, in fact, they're viable fetuses, they should go on to be born put with a loving family if need be, if the mother doesn't have the capacity or the will to take care of her own babies. Just my view. By the way, Louisiana U.S. District Court uh, Judge Terry Doughty blocked a fetal, uh, federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for health care workers Tuesday. The ruling has nationwide implications. And uh, here was his comment on this. If the executive branch is allowed to usurp the power of the legislative branch to make laws, two of the three powers conferred in our Constitution would be the same hands, Doty wrote. If human nature and history teach us anything, it's that civil liberties face grave risks when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. Thank you, Judge. That's just a great ruling, and uh, hopefully, this, I'm sure, will go on to the Supreme Court. We'll see. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: For more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob
1: Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Bee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60's decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulubee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulubees offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes and more. Lulubees Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 252 4541. That's 252 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by going to the website Choicesocial.us. choicesocial.us. Coming up, we going to visit with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is, a, is an author. He's a constitutional scholar and chairman of a terrific uh, libertarian organization. It's called uh, the Cato Institute. Bob, welcome to the show.
3: Great to be with you, Bob.
1: Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute.
3: We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot on the web.
1: Thank you, Bob. Uh, so uh, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about anti-discrimination laws and the right to discriminate, seemingly two very contradictory concepts. Picking up, is there a risk that churches not recognize gay marriage? that they'll lose government benefits
3: well the <clears throat> some folks have pointed that out as a possibility but bear in mind that legislatures of course can grant religious exemptions and do so uh, all the time for example catholic organizations they're not denied tax benefits just because they refuse to perform abortions even though you know abortion rights are uh, at least as of now they're constitutionally guaranteed and Orthodox Jews and, and Muslims are not denied benefits because they quite clearly discriminate against women. Um, so e- even in an organization uh, that discriminates, like, for example, suppose Catholic church hired only Catholics, the benefits would be denied just to the activities that discriminate, and not in hiring, but rather in providing services. Mm. So if a Catholic soup kitchen, for example, said they're not going to serve anybody except Catholics, then that would be a problem. And I think that funding would be denied to that soup kitchen with respect to that particular service. So a church, I think, could reject gay marriage without jeopardizing benefits for activities other than marriage ceremonies. Of course, the better solution, as we know, is to get government out of the Social engineering business. Uh, leave this up to the private sector.
1: Here, here. So now there's a constitutionally protected right to uh, gay marriage. Of course, libertarians also argue that private businesses have a constitutional right to boycott gay weddings. So how do you reconcile those uh, two arguments?
3: Well, you know, folks who think that the Constitution bars uh, discrimination by private parties um, against, for example, gay gay weddings. Uh, I think they misunderstand the nature and purpose of the Constitution. It's not a code of conduct that citizens are supposed to obey. It has two primary objectives. It secures our individual rights, and it limits the power of government. So it's not the people or the citizens who are required to obey the Constitution. It's the government. And, And that's why libertarians believe in both the right to gay marriage and The right to discriminate against uh, gay persons in private transactions. Government may not discriminate in granting marriage licenses, but private parties—they have a right to associate with whomever they please, and that right should be protected uh, by government. So, I I think that uh, individuals and business owners should be able to serve gays only, or straights only, or both of them or neither of them, for good reasons, for bad reasons, or for no reasons at all. The rights that are involved here are property rights, the right to serve persons and associate with persons that you choose, and privacy rights, and contract rights, the right to negotiate with your employees, and free exercise of religion with respect to religious exemptions. But most important, the First Amendment right of association.
1: Yeah, uh, so well said. So, is there a legal basis for the right to discriminate?
3: There's, a, <clears throat> there's a uh, free exercise uh, of religion has been one basis that's been uh, cited a quarter of a century ago. Oregon denied two Native Americans unemployment benefits after they were fired for using uh, peyote. Um, they sued and they claimed that the POD was used in religious ceremony, mm-hmm. and thus it was protected by the First Amendment. Um, the Supreme Court upheld the state's denial of benefits in that case. Hmm. The court decided that government could restrict the exercise of religion as long as the regulation uh, was applicable to everybody and didn't specifically target uh, religious practice. So the state could ban peyote in a religious ceremony. As long as the state banned peyote everywhere else. Congress responded, you know, by passing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and that required government to demonstrate a compelling need when it proposed to regulate a religion and show that the regulation was no more restricted uh, restrictive than necessary. And that was sponsored not only by conservatives but by uh, liberals as 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 well and there's some version of that statute it's called rifra that controls 31 states mm. and the and the federal government right now so uh, religion has been cited as a basis for discrimination but it, it is a limited basis
1: yeah yeah but did the uh, religious freedom restoration act protect the kentucky county clerk who refused to issue same-sex marriage licenses
3: i don't believe so the court said in the in the seminal gay marriage case of Bergefell, that the state and therefore its employees had a federal constitutional obligation to issue marriage licenses to gay couples. So if this county clerk were to get an exemption and not issue marriage licenses, then some residents of her state would be denied their constitutional rights. There's no statute that can trump the Constitution. She took an oath to support the Constitution and her position as a county employee uh, didn't authorize her to determine what the Constitution means. That job belongs to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court has said that it means equal rights, including for same-sex uh, partners. If, if she felt compelled by conscience to ignore the court, she should have resigned, or, or she could have followed her uh, contrary assessment of the meaning of the Constitution and accept the consequences which probably would have meant she'd been fired and maybe even held uh, in contempt.
1: Or she could have just offline just asked the boss, hey, could you have somebody else take care of that for
3: me? That's right. She could She could have you know, made sure that within her department there were other people who would take care of that job.
1: That's okay. so interesting. So is your personal belief in the right to discriminate based on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act?
3: You no, know, my, my personal view goes much further in the direction of freedom of action when private parties are involved. And, and as I mentioned, property rights and associational rights govern. And that's a lot broader than religious uh, exempting business owners because they happen to have a, a particular religious uh, belief. Uh, private businesses should be able to serve or not serve anyone uh, for any reason. And customers who don't like it can take their business uh, down the street, go elsewhere. Right. So, you know, that's not the prevailing view. In fact, it it would violate various federal and state civil rights laws and public accommodation laws. Essentially, what's happened is our rights have been divided into categories. And some rights, which are deemed to be fundamental, uh, are getting more protection than other rights, which are labeled as non-fundamental. And sadly, among the non-fundamental rights are the so-called economic liberties, including the right to contract with your employees and the right to own your property and use it the way you want and the right to form and conduct your business without a lot of government restrictions and to deal with whomever uh, you please, Uh, those rights said the Supreme Court way back in 1938 get less protection than the (coughs) so-called fundamental liberties such as voting and privacy and and the rights that are expressly listed in the Bill of Rights.
1: Yeah, that's just wrong. But nevertheless, it's the law, and we uh, proceed. Bob Levy, again, chairman of the Cato Institute, and I can encourage you to visit the website Cato, dot org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Great to be with you, Bob.
1: Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author, author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain.
0: back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So a a lot of news going on, a lot of things to talk about. I thought we'd just uh, start off by asking about uh, your position on Donald Trump.
4: Well, I do want to talk about that. I think we have to have some in-depth conversations about this and not keep it uh, superficial. I think we're getting to the point where we really have to, as as Republicans, as conservatives, perhaps have to begin to uh, understand the implication of a Trump candidacy in 2024. Mm. Uh, Before I get there, let me just talk about the good news for today. The good news is uh, something's uh, re- been reminded. Uh, I've been reminded of by the uh, Justice Smollett, the Justice Smollett, as it's a case that's being held in uh, Chicago courts right now. But it, once again, it reminded me, Bob, that there's so little racism in America that the vast majority of allegations have to be invented. Uh, you could talk about Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Bubba Wallace, Jacob Blake, and even the recent Rittenhouse case, where it was described as as just racist, with no African-Americans even involved in the actual process. Uh, even when there's a case with a black victim, such as George Floyd, although the media has promoted that as racism, racism was not pursued as a motive in the court of law. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, if racism was as prevalent as is suggested by the left, it would seem there should be an abundance of cases to prove that is true, and yet those those cases seem to be nearly absent, if not totally absent, Uh, within
1: current America, Bob. That's so true. And in fact, you can see this news is picking and choosing exactly what stories to cover. Unfortunately, or I'm not exactly sure how they come to this decision, but not even paying attention to what happened to Washika in uh, uh, Wisconsin with this... uh, guy running over six now no, that was killed. the
4: suv's fault bob we both know that <laughs>
1: yeah <what? laughs> but the point is it just doesn't fit the narrative of race people though. were
4: killed by an suv that's yeah, what it was about yeah, let's yeah. not get involved with other things <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so true so but that yeah, is uh I, but
4: let, let me make the point there's nothing humorous about the story per se only the comments being made by the left are worthy of humor bob so mm-hmm. so um There is a comedic relief story I do want to refer to. Uh, There's a lot of uh, scuttlebutt, let's call it, going around that the Democrats try in their attempt to get rid of Kamala Harris. uh, Popularity polls are now at 28 percent, putting her even below Dick Cheney as vice president, which was at the lowest at that point. And what they're suggesting in these in these rumors is that they may, in fact, Biden may, in fact, appoint Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court. Huh. Uh, if there's no opening, it suggests they may go ahead with a uh, a court packing scheme. And, and the idea is to uh, have Kamala Harris fail upward, fail in the vice presidency and get put into the Supreme Court so they can get rid of her. And then uh, some of the other parts of the rumor are even more fascinating that they may appoint or he may appoint uh, Michelle Obama or even Barack Obama as his vice president, then resign, and Michelle Obama would move into the presidency, or Barack Obama would move back into the presidency. These are, for your audience's sake, these are all rumors, but they've been repeated a multiple number of times over the past several weeks. So uh, who knows if there's any substance. And and one late-forming story, Bob, which I think is worth noting, uh, last night uh, on the uh, Tucker Carlson show, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, announced his candidacy for the Senate in Pennsylvania, which I think is an extremely brave move for a man who makes a substantial living on television. Uh, He's made some strong comments that I I certainly applaud. Uh, He said that uh, COVID has shown us our system is broken. We lost too many lives, too many jobs, too many opportunities because Washington got it wrong. Uh, So at this point, uh, as a conservative, and he pronounced himself a conservative, uh, I support the candidacy of Mehmet Oz for the for the Senate in, in Pennsylvania. I think that's that's also a good news story as I see it. Bro.
1: That is good news. He's a brilliant man, too, brilliant doctor, and uh, you know he certainly has a lot to say about what's happening right now in the medical scene and the healthcare scene in the United States. So uh, that's the good news. Any bad news? <laughs>
4: well. <laughs> I I really have to search for the good news. Almost everything else is in the latter category. Yeah. Look, let let me just discuss Donald Trump uh, and this candidacy, potential candidacy in 2024. Uh, Just so no one misunderstands me. First of all, this is a complicated issue, Uh, and how do I feel about Trump? I believe Trump was the greatest president in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I believe he was deprived of his deserved win in 2020 by voting irregularities. Let me just keep it in the word with the word irregularities. Mm -hmm. I believe he deserves the nomination if he chooses in 2024. I do not believe any Republican candidate can win if they overtly reject Trump. I believe it is his nomination if he wants it. Now, having said all of those laudatory things, I I feel extremely positive about the man, Donald Trump, and the greatness of his presidency. I have significant doubts as to whether or not he should be the candidate in 2024. Uh, I believe that will have to be his choice to not be that candidate. Uh, but I believe that, first of all, at the personal level, to ask this man to go through four years of additional hell for America, I believe is asking too much of him. I believe at the end of another four years of a Trump presidency in 2028, with the bombastic rhetoric that will be dumped on Trump <clears throat> excuse me, by the left, I, I believe America will become uh, even more bifurcated than it is right now. It's hard to believe, but I believe that will be the case. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion, my hope, is that Donald Trump will in fact maintain his his strong a position of influence. I, I do not want him to back away from the, the party or the or the conservative right. Uh, but I would like to see Ron DeSantis supported by Donald Trump as the as the candidate see in 2024. Mm-hmm. I think in the long run, That will serve America well. I do believe that Trump came in in 2024. He would undo much of the damage being done by the Biden administration. But I think as 2028 rolled around and Trump could not run in 2028, I think America would be uh, moving back into the same deplorable circumstances that followed his 2020 defeat, irregular defeat uh, by Joe Biden. Hmm. So that's my somewhat complicated position on, on Donald Trump. I love the man. I love what he's accomplished. I love his policies, but I think 2024 must be an event that is uh, where we go in a slightly different direction with his involvement. Bob, with his involvement.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I'd only raise the issue of uh, right now. Uh, you're right. I mean, he's an egotist, and uh, he certainly has his warts and pimples, like most human beings, all human beings. Uh, but the, the the left certainly capitalizes on that. My only question is, no matter who's in that position and who runs, even Ron DeSantis, wouldn't the uh, result, wouldn't the uh, reaction to the president, uh, Republican president, be exactly the same?
4: There's no doubt, uh, no doubt, Bob. If we could get God as our candidate, <laughs> they would somehow go yeah. after him. There's, there's no doubt that that's going to be the case. I, I just think that with the uh, the five years, six years, seven years, or it be nine years, actually, by the time we get around to all of this, that Trump has been in the public spotlight. I think there's this tremendous amount of of antipathy towards the man. Not that he's earned any of that or deserved any of that. But the left has, in fact, done so much damage to this man in the the public's perception, at least half of the American uh, public perception, that I think it is a a, a dangerous circumstance to expose America to that for four more years. DeSantis would certainly be hit, there's no doubt about it. Uh, But any candidate would but I think Ron DeSantis is strong. He's shown himself to be strong. He's shown himself to be independent. Uh, and certainly my personal preference for getting all other considerations, Donald Trump. But as I weave in other considerations, my belief is that a stronger candidate like a, Don, a, a Ron DeSantis would serve America in the long run better than Donald Trump.
1: Well, I, I know there's a lot, who, a lot of folks who agree with you on that point. Um. So interesting. Well, thank you for that point of view. What's your reaction and what are your thoughts about the Omicron variant right now, starting in South Africa, apparently, although South Africans are resentful of the fact that it's being referenced there. What do you see?
4: Well, it's a typical process that happens with uh, any uh, any virus. It, It tends to mutate. Um, the mutations almost always are of weaker variant uh, than the, the original virus. Right. Uh, if we anthropomorphize the, uh, the virus, uh, viruses do not like to kill all of their hosts. So as the uh, virus moves on, it, it, it tends to weaken so that it sustains the number of people who can uh, acquire that virus and keep the virus living. So uh, I meant for morphizing that, but certainly uh, that is typically true. Mm-hmm. If we look at some, you know, we can see that certainly the uh, the number of cases daily has gone up. But if we look also at the death rate, the death rate has stayed absolutely the same. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't a conclusive type of process at this point. We, we really don't know. But by all in- indications, the history of uh, of viruses would say it's a weaker mutation, that's normal. Uh, it also, we can look at South Africa and see that their death rate has not at all increased uh, since the advent of, of the uh, Omicron uh, uh, viral mutation. Uh, so I think that what we're seeing is again, a, a hyper reaction either for political purpose or out of the, uh, the the world's current mindset of total risk aversion uh, where uh, much of Europe, much of the world has, act- has actually shut down uh, uh, transportation from South Africa. I think that's totally uncalled for at this point. But I think what we're seeing uh, also is perhaps, and, and you and I have talked about this several times, uh, that the left will sustain uh, the, uh, the panic reaction to the, uh, to, the, to the virus at least through the 2022 elections uh, where they can get into voting by mail and ballot harvesting. Uh, again, I don't think they can corrupt the uh, the House elections because there's 435 of them. But I do think in key Senate elections uh, that that possibility exists. But by the way, let me get back to the Kamala Harris thing with a, a comment that I uh, uh, just, just occurred to me. Um, I'm wondering, in a 50-50 Senate with the Senate approval needed for confirmation of a Supreme Court judge, would Kamala Harris... Still be able to cast the deciding vote in her own confirmation process. Right? I, I, I was just thinking about that as we were talking.
1: I, I'm quite certain she could not, but irrespective. Uh well, you know, that's an interesting question, because she would still be serving as the vice president, wouldn't she? Until uh,
4: absolutely. I don't think there's anything legally prohibiting it. I think huh. it would probably be untoward, but uh, I don't think there's a, a legality about that. Perhaps there is. Perhaps there is.
1: That's so interesting. Interesting point indeed. Although I just wonder, at her level of uh, uh, approval, whether, in fact, even Democrats would vote for her in, the, in that position. Just amazing. Uh, for the Supreme Court.
4: So, uh, to, to get rid of her, if that's the intent, <laughs> they may be persuaded that anything is worth getting her out of the uh, the presidential line of ascendancy. No,
1: nah, that's such a good point. Well, to your point, you know, about the uh, Omicron uh, variant, right now we're just seeing the fa- uh, fanning the flames of fear across the United States and across the globe, frankly. Uh, it's led to markets, uh, financial markets going down, all kinds of bad results. And my, my real concern right now is that fear is going to overtake uh, the United States. And uh, the the variant itself, I suspect you're absolutely right, will be weaker and therefore less uh, virile and uh, certainly more contagious, but it will just cause maybe some bad colds and, and uh, those types of reactions.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, certainly there there's no reason to believe that this is serious. And that- To a certain extent, I think Fauci's uh, original response was to not close down uh, air traffic from South Africa. Now, it's one of the rare moments where I think that was actually, at that moment, at least Bob, uh, the right position. I think we have to stop this extreme reaction, uh, especially when there's every reason to believe that this is a very mild mutation. We have to get out of that, uh, that, that fear response. Somewhat in keeping with that, I was... Uh, just uh, reading through some of the statistics coming out of France, uh, where it talked about their their hospital caseload because of COVID. Uh, in general admissions, the two percent two percent of the general admissions were because of COVID. Only four percent of their of, of their people in ICU were because of COVID. Now, these are these are numbers that have significance. But again, if we're talking about the rhetoric coming out about the the hospitals being inundated, flooded with With COVID patients, when you look at France's numbers just put out yesterday, uh, these numbers in no way indicate uh, this incredible uh, preponderance of of COVID uh, patients being admitted to their hospitals.
1: That's so true. And even I I saw a column today that the the rate in Florida has dropped again, the number of cases per 100,000. So uh, good news continues in Florida.
4: That's something I wanted to I wanted to mention. Certainly, the the left is doing everything they can to disparage those uh, those kind of statistics. But I think we can at least make this this comment with with no fear of being at least accurately rebutted. There is no discernible difference in the outcome in a state that is totally locked down as compared to a state that has been relatively open or completely open in many cases, as has been Florida. If we look at the side by side comparisons. Of those states, the most restrictive as compared to the less restrictive, we can see no essential outcome variant uh, over the long haul. And I think that has to be uh, uh, talked about. I think it has to be understood. Uh, And we don't understand that, Bob. In other words, we don't understand why there is not a difference of some significance, Mm -hmm. but there is no difference at all, Bob.
1: No, I think what it demonstrates is the virus is going to be the virus and do what it wants to do, irrespective of the social behavior, including lockdowns and masks. It's just having no effect. In fact, a deleterious effect uh, on the uh, the health, the well being of uh, the populace. Hey, you wrote a column. You wrote a column, uh, which I thought was so fascinating about the absence of truth in America.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm seeing more and more on that. You know, it tends to be the simultaneous. uh, involvement uh of ideas and i've seen several other articles uh, coming out even the same day i was writing that piece uh about truth and i think truth is a uh, is a commodity that uh it it's generic of course the word truth but i think there is something called truth there is a reality that is truth and, and i think a nation that has so in my estimation bob so willfully abandoned truth as a commodity of public exchange i think that na- that nation is in serious jeopardy for its future and I think right now, America, uh, there is there is no currency uh, for the for the use of truth or the pursuit of truth uh, as something within the American debate over over very serious issues. Uh, I think the left has in fact so muddied the water of all issues surrounding this this nation uh, that it's almost impossible even for a concerned citizen to try to extract from all this muddy water the clean water that exists around it so uh this is a very serious issue and it's a very it, it's almost impossible to uh, if someone asked me well what would you do uh, do about it i i don't have the slightest idea certainly it's a social media thing it's a it's a big tech thing it's a uh, it's a it's a process from the progressive left there's absolutely no doubt about the source on the other hand what is the cure? It, it is very hard to suggest how a nation can return to the truth once the truth has lost its its pertinence and significance within its public debate,
1: Bob. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, the latest appointment, uh, proposed appointment to the FCC, is this woman, Sohn, S-O-H-N, and uh, her position, she's been quoted as saying, uh, the scourge of the universe, something to this effect, is Fox News. They spread so much bad information <laughs> And this coming from the fcc there's supposed to be some sort of a legitimate you
4: know, I, mean, I, I think at some point as these generic comments are made i think someone has to say well what exactly do you mean you know if america is described as a racist nation what what it, what is your documentation what is your what is your validation of these positions and uh the left is allowed to talk this is no one but the left who even challenge it for the most part this very little uh, coming from the Republican side or the, the conservative side, as we might have it, uh, that directly challenges them. They're allowed to make these sweeping in, indictment statements of America uh, that go uh, essentially unchallenged. These these are very dangerous things because the world certainly uh, uh, picks up on the uh, the media's position uh, through social media and through the the news per se, uh, and they are in fact seeing America as this racist. Nation that has deprived its indigenous people of their land and and subjugating blacks for our own for our own profit and has done nothing to undo that uh, that process. I mean, these are the these are the uh, the models that are being picked up by the rest of the world as it pertains to America. And no country in the world has earned uh, less negativity than has uh, america no nation has contributed more to the well-being of freedom of the people of this world and the economic well-being of this world than has america yet america within their mindset is this this horror show of discrimination and 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 deprivation it just it, it bothers me to no end as, a, as an American when I hear these things developing.
1: It's true, but of course you have the complicity of the press along with the Democrats in their messaging. So uh, I do believe there is a silent majority out there, people who just roll their eyes and understand exactly what's going on, irrespective of the lies that are going on. So uh, that's my hope and my belief, and hopefully will sustain us up until the 2024 election. I,
4: I would suggest, Bob, it's more your hope than your belief, <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right but i Andy, I
4: don't know what's in your mind so that's just that's just my
1: thought Andy Joppa again professor Josefa Savaz by the way off topic for today's discussion but a great read hope you'll take a look at it josepha Savaz by Andrew Joppa Andy, always appreciate your commentary thanks so much for well, joining one, us
4: one last thought if I might in today's local newspaper the Naples daily News, you can see the organized left uh, letter writing campaign there were there were three letters in the paper today attacking the great Byron Donalds. and I, These are such organized, conspiratorial process that they they almost become laughable as they appear.
1: Well, they are laughable, and good luck with that because uh, Byron's going to win the election. I doubt seriously he can even find a candidate to run against him, but that's another story. Hey, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Talk soon, Bob. Thank you so much. Coming up, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Show and now here's your host
1: Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check out the website vfga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture, has been a really big force in the space program in the past. And uh, now he's come out with a new book. It's coming out soon. It's called Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It's uh, written, uh, co-authored with uh, Buzz Aldrin. His latest book, which is on right now, available, which is makes What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Professor, thank you so much for joining us.
2: And Bob, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure indeed. And your latest column, On Point, by the way, which appears in Newsmax.com, Dems launched desperate attack, uh, spend and blitz, uh, burned blitzkrieg, <laughs> easy for me to say, ahead of the 2022 defeats. And I think we can all see this developing, but your thoughts on this are so interesting. Maybe you can tell us about it.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, these are interesting times. It's probably not the best description for them, but, uh, I think that we're seeing, you know, with the, uh, Biden approval numbers, uh, really, um, uh, very very low, plummeting, and Kamala's are even worse. Uh, Democrats seem to be in a lot of trouble, and they seem to know it going into the twenty twenty two midterms. Uh, I haven't seen any any uh, encouraging uh, news for them on, on that score. Mm-mm. And so, uh, unlike you know some previous administrations like like under Clinton and so on, where he triangulated and. Attempted to move more towards the the center. And obviously, I think they realize that things are not going particularly well for them. I mean, they, not, there's not much you can do to fix the Afghanistan debacle, and the border issue is not getting any better. It seems like uh, he's kind of chumming the water for for more and more immigrants to come in, and of course, they're not being vetted for crime or for COVID or anything else, and they're being Sent around the country, and that's not just a not just a border state issue. It's a, it's a, like as they say, every state's a border state when they're being distributed throughout the, throughout the country. So you you have you know have those issues, and you have crazy you know absolutely rampant crime, and it's quite a visual when you see these uh, mm. you know crash and snatch or whatever you want to call them. These these coordinated. Um, uh, uh, attacks on stores and uh, these are expensive stores and they you know the people that are doing it are driving expensive cars so it's not exactly stealing a loaf of bread for the kids you know, all of these things going on and on top of that of course you know the covid thing is 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 something no one really anticipated and I don't think Trump got credit for the vaccines and therapeutics that were developed very, very rapidly and so on, and and uh, I think the current administration benefited from that, but, you know, going back into a lockdown mode, I don't think anyone uh, really, uh, very, very few people are prepared to go back to, that, to those days again. And it seems like the states that, that weren't so draconian in their shutdowns, like Florida really coming out of it much better than a lot of the others. And the fact that using you know, natural immunity never really uh, was explained that, that this you know it's very durable and that people who have had COVID uh, are much more resistant uh, to having it and spreading it again than, than others. And so, and all these all these issues that. Uh, Seem to be swirling around,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and on top of that, we have the you know the inflation, and so you say, well, what what would rational politicians do under under the circumstances? Well, this sort of attempt to address some of these issues, but I think for the Democrats, that sort of means by definition going back to Trump policies, which you know their their whole priority was to was to eradicate those those policies and. And so we, in you know, the uh, attack on fossil energy at a time when there's a global shortage, and including coal, and uh, you, know, the, you know the the uh, head scratcher that you know you kill the Keystone Pipeline and drill you in Anwar, but you allow the Russians to build the Nord Stream two pipeline under the Baltic to provide natural gas to Europe that we could have provided, and so on. These things. Are really coming home now in terms of where we see inflation and and prices, and when we see you know the uh, blockage of the supply chains, and and some of that's maybe other related to COVID and so on. But people see all these cascading problems going into a midterm when when you know the issues tend to be state and local. They tend to be pocketbook, kitchen table issues that people are concerned about. And you got let's go, Brandon. And you got all this, these. I think it's a response to the shutdowns and like, and even the you know millennials are saying, "Well, we we don't like this control. We don't like mm-hmm. you know we don't like this this heavy-handed control." So rather than do that, it seems like this doubling down on everything. um is the worst time in the world to be spending more money. On things that people have not made a priority, and, you know, the, the public has not made a priority. You know, putting less money into electric vehicles when we, we're not going to have electri- enough electricity for our grid, mm. we've got to buy the uh, batteries from China. I think people are starting to realize this stuff just doesn't, doesn't make sense. So, why would they double down on all of this spending? Of course, the rationale is, well, they they got to do it now. They realize they're losing the Congress. But it certainly seems counterproductive.
1: It certainly does. Uh, it's uh, such an important point, too, because uh, as you're pointing out during the uh, uh, Clinton administration, he said, look, I've just got to get uh, – he, he cared about his own popularity. He cared about the effectiveness of his own government. He, he really well, put his finger up and kind of did a measure about which way the wind is blowing when it came to public sentiment. This administration has no—I don't think, frankly, that uh, President uh, Biden has any more regard for our will than we have for his. <laughs> you know, he, I think he personally—I think he genuinely dislikes the American people. And, uh, and this is all part of, I think, a big scheme. Quite He is probably uh, disposable to the Democrat Party. As soon as he's done with whatever he's going to do, they'll probably get rid of him uh, somehow— and uh, blame him for all this, and uh, c- come in and say we're going to start new with a with a fresh slate, but they're just trying to get this this uh, this agenda through uh, at any means. Uh, they're as you're pointing out, doubling down, and, and we just don't like it.
2: Well, I guess it's you know, I guess in a sense, I feel we're giving too much credit to Biden because frankly, I've never seen him as more than a cardboard character, and we yeah, you know, a, a kind of cardboard out that they dragged out of the basement to, you know, to, <laughs> to, to, and, and if that sounds, you know, impolite, I'm sorry, but, uh, and then the big question, who, who are all the people that are behind, you know, Biden, and of course you got a lot of the, you know, you got the Obama holdovers, but then you've also got this, this struggle going on within the Democratic party between very very far left, you know the, the Marxists, the neo-Marxists, the Bernie Sanders, and and Pelosi is absolutely a tyrant, and, and, and she's really a very very vicious person. You don't want to mess with her, and so you got and you got uh, Schumer, who's who's totally cowed by AOC because he she can primary him, and you got you say you got all this turmoil inside the party, where I you know we've, we used to talk about how the how the uh, GOP was disunified? Well, it's a, it's a Sunday picnic compared to what's going on in the Democrat Party.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And and this tug of war that's going on, I think, is is part of the reason that you simply can't you know any reasonable any reasonable approach or strategy is going to be absolutely emasculated by by the far
1: left. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Professor. Larry Bell, his latest book, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. I hope you'll think about that as a Christmas gift. It is a great read, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional by Larry Bell. Also, his column, On Point, you can find it in Newsmax.com. Again, Dems launched desperate spend and uh, burn blitzkrieg ahead of the 2222 defeats. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: And, Bob, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Lawrence Mead is a professor of politics at New York University. Uh, we'll visit with him about what's happening on the border. Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon, and uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com.